Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good to be back. Um, I was not here last week. But I heard you guys had an incredible time on Secret Sunday, three different speakers, three different services, talking about secrets and ice cream and all that stuff. Y'all party while I'm away. That's how it works. Um, but I do want to thank Everett Fraley and Jeremiah Balstick and Pastor Josh Nestor uh, for ministering last week and also celebrate that uh, while I'm away, 21 people gave their life to Jesus last week. Isn't that awesome? On Memorial Weekend. Just incredible. Um, I was in the Palm Bay and Melbourne area last weekend with Pastor Ken Height. If you remember, he was the one who was here uh, during a revival, and he has just an incredible uh, church there, Discover Life Church, and two locations at Melbourne and Palm Bay. Uh, it was a tight preaching schedule. You preach at Melbourne at 9.30, uh, but they kick off Palm Bay at 10.30. So you preach, and then you jump in the car and drive over to Palm Bay, get out of the car. As soon as you get out of the car, you walk onto the platform and preach there, leave there, drive back to Melbourne, and as soon as you get out of the car in Melbourne, you walk onto the platform and preach. So it was a very tight schedule, 9.30, 10.30, and 11.30 is their service times over two locations, uh, but several people made decisions for Christ, and if you're ever in that area or have family in that area, I would just encourage you to get there to Discover Life Church, just an amazing work um, that God is doing through that ministry there. Uh, today, we're kicking off a brand new series on the book of Philippians, and uh, I'm excited about this series because the theme of the book of Philippians is joy, and so we're going to talk to you over the next few weeks about choosing joy. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Today is going to be a tough pill to swallow. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, take your medicine. All right. Okay. Got to take your medicine today. We're going to choose joy. One, once a year, we like to slow down and, and go to a book of the Bible. We've covered Galatians in the past, Psalms, and uh, last year we did the book of James. But we're going to look at the book of Philippians, and if I could t call this message anything, I would just entitle this message, Where's the Joy? Where's the Joy? As you know, uh, if you're, you've been here a while, Karen and I have four children, ages 10, 8, five and one. A uh, little bit uh, crazy at my house, but um, here, here's the deal. Before uh, Everly came uh, about a year and a half ago, and then we got Eden home in January, when it was just the two boys, I thought I was a parenting genius. I really did. I thought I got it figured out. I mean, it's easy. Eli can spend hours doing his own thing and you know, they can, they can be three or four hours go by, and you don't even know he's in the house. I mean, he just has a way of entertaining himself. Zeke is your typical boy who is messy, dirty. I mean, he needs a bath about every two hours. Uh, he eats a lot and uh, loves sports, so he's your typical boy. Um, but when Everly came about a year and a half ago, and then we got Eden home, um, things changed because with boys, I, w I felt like we were dealing at that time with three basic emotions. Uh, and those emotions are pretty simple, hungry, sleepy, and happy. Like, that, that's, that's it, you know, that's, that's about all you're dealing with with boys. Uh, but the two girls came along, and let's, uh, let's just say that I underestimated the changes. 
Um, because if my boys have three emotions, my girls have 300 emotions. Um, and Everly being a year and a half, I mean, I, she's got 400 emotions. Like, I, I can't figure that girl out. And when it comes to kids, their, their emotions change quickly. Like, they can move from sad to happy in a moment. Like, uh, they can be really sad and upset, and right before bedtime, I can bring out the cookies or some ice cream, and everything's perfect, right? Like, everything's back to normal, and I know what you're thinking. Now, Pastor, that's not a very good parenting strategy, and I, I, I'm not saying it's the best parenting strategy, but what I would say is I, I want to stay off medication, so I'm going to do, I be me, you be you, um, but, but it's a different world uh, when, when dealing with girls. And, and like our kids, like our kids, I think often our happiness is fickle, that we, we have a tendency to lose happiness, to lose joy. We're, we're happy for a moment, and then something changes, something gets old, something gets lost, and we're no longer happy. And the irony is that we put so much time and energy into achieving sustained happiness, yet it continuously escapes us. And this, this message today, I, I think it's going to be a difficult one because joy is so much different than happiness. But before we get into that, we know that in, in this time that we live in, there are more articles, blogs, and tips on how to be happy at home happy at work, happy with yourself, happy with others than ever before. We have more entertainment, more opportunities, more uh, care for self strategies than ever before. Yet CNN recently reported that the number one category of prescription medication in the United States is antidepressants. Now, so don't, don't think that I'm preaching against that. I'm just saying that implying, I'm implying that in spite of all of our searching, for happiness, we're just not that happy. And that's why this book, this short book, and today's more of an intro. There's not a specific passage I'm looking into. This book, though, it deserves our attention because the book of Philippians is the happiest book in the entire Bible. When you read these four chapters, you will find the words joy, glad, enjoy, enjoy, and rejoice 17 times in this book. And the reason that's so unique to see that 17 times in just four chapters is because it's written by the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. How I many of that doesn't make sense? Why is he so happy? <laughs> right? Why, why does he have so much joy? I mean, how, how can you have joy when, when you're, when you're uh, in prison? And he's not writing this letter, you know, from an ivory tower. You need to think dungeon. There was no light. There was open sewage, and Paul was chained to another guard 24 hours a day. They would, they would change guards out every four hours so that 24 hours a day, not only was he in a dark room with open sewage, but he was chained to another soldier. And so yet, verse after verse, Paul writes about the joy he is experiencing. And as I studied this, I, I became a little bit curious, like, you know, how, how do you do that, Paul? I mean, it's bad. I mean, I, you know, we think we have bad days, but our days don't line up to what Paul is going through, yet he's talking to us about the joy that he is experiencing in such a difficult place. And I think if we were all to be honest today, that we would not ascribe the word joy 
to our lives. Like if we were going to take one word to describe how we feel today, a lot of us, if we were honest, it probably wouldn't be joy. Like when I, when, when I think about asking people, how are you? You know, how's things going? I, I think of people saying, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm offended, whatever it may be. But Paul writes about this joy. And so over the next few weeks, we want to uncover the secret to, to the joy Paul is talking about. Y'all going to be real excited about next week because next week we're going to talk about suffering. <laughs> See? Come on, hit, hit your neighbor and say, take your medicine. All right. Um, so, so joy is, is, is a complex thing, short, short three-letter word, but it's complex because it's not the same thing as happiness. And I think sometimes we confuse happiness and joy. Happiness, as we're going to learn throughout this series, is something that has a shelf life. It's, it's temporary. It, it, it doesn't last. But joy, on the other hand, it's a spiritual state of assurance, a spiritual state of assurance, an outlook that transcends whatever you're facing today. So I want to look at three comparisons to kick this off uh, between happiness and joy. The first is this. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. In our minds, in, our, in the way that we think, we think that we're only happy or we can only be happy when everything is going right. Everything's got to line up. Everything's got to be going the way that I think it should be going. But we can have joy on our worst days. That's what Paul is going to teach us. And you may say, well, pastor, you don't have any right to tell me that I need to have joy or can have joy no matter what. And maybe I don't have a right to speak that to you, but I think the apostle Paul has every right. It's going to be bad today. I can feel this. He has every right to tell us that we can have joy on our worst days. Um, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, before we get into Philippians, and I'm not going to read this, just take some time on your own time to read what the Apostle Paul went through. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 11 that Paul was beaten with, with rods, that, that he was whipped on five different occasions and shipwrecked and snake bitten, and, and they, they, they threw stones at him. He went through all this stuff, yet in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul said this in, in the midst of all that. He said, therefore, we don't lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away. I'm going to stop right there. How many know we're getting older? We're not getting younger. We're getting older. We are wasting away. Paul, Paul's saying that the outward is wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's something on the inside of me, Paul is saying, that's more powerful than what's going on all around me. That It's bad. I'm in a dungeon. It's dark. There's sewage. I'm chained to another human being. But in the midst of that, internally, I, I, may, be, I may be wasting away on the outside, but internally, I have joy. I have something that transcends what I'm going through. See, happiness is an external-based emotion, but joy is an internal spiritual attitude. It's an attitude. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Secondly, happiness is situational. Joy is spiritual. I'm going to steal a line that somebody gave me on the way in. One minister said that joy is heaven's most serious business. 
joy is heaven's most serious business. You need to make up your mind that no matter what happens to you and your house and your job and your relationships and your money and your kids, you have to make up your mind nothing is going to rob me of joy. That it is an internal spiritual attitude. And, and usually our happiness is, is tied to our happenings. Like, what's, what's happened this week? Our moods change like the wind, and it's because it's situational. And, and we think that if things are good, then we're happy. But those things often come into our life, the things that we, we wish for, because a lot of us have a when and then attitude or mindset. We think, when I get out of high school, I'll be happy. When I graduate college, I'll be happy. When I get the first job, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. When the kids leave, I'll be happy. When I retire, I'll be happy. And if you notice that when you have the when and then thinking that every season that you keep waiting on to bring happiness, it comes and goes, but you're still not any more happy. It comes and goes, and you're still looking for the next thing that brings happiness because happiness and joy are not the same thing. The bad news is that you've arrived at these places and you realize that it's not what makes a person happy or joyful. The good news is, is that you have, you have learned to live that way and to think that way. And the reason that's good news is that you can learn to think in a spiritual way. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse 11. Paul said, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I love the fact that he used the word learned. I have learned, not like it just hit me and now I'm content. No, I've learned that through the good, the bad, the ugly, through the good days and the bad days, he learned how to be content in it. Learn how to trust God in that. It's something that he learned. Joy is not about our situation. It is, it's something spiritual that we decide. You can learn how to have joy. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, go to school. All right, Bible school, all right? We're there. Um, but, but you can learn this. It, it's not something that's just going to fall on you, okay? Uh, because you can be in the best. I, I've met people and been in revival service. Man, they're fired up. They, they're, they're, they're on cloud nine. They're pumped up about Jesus. And, and you see them the next day, and they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. What happened, right? What, what happened to you? I saw you last night, and you were pumped up. What we're saying is our joy is dependent on circumstances. But that's not the truth at all. Because here, here's what you got to know. We can learn to have joy because, because God, when we get saved, let me word it like this. When we get saved, our spirit is saved immediately. How many of that? The moment, like you, you can take somebody who's been saved for 80 years, okay, and they're in church every week, they teach Bible classes, they go to small groups, they serve, they do all of that. Okay, they've done it for 80 years. And then you take somebody that's never known Jesus, and they've been living a crazy life for 50 years, but they come in to, to church or wherever it may be, and they make a decision to follow Christ. How many of that person is just as saved as the person who's been doing all that great stuff for 80 years? That at that moment, their spirit is saved. The difference between the person who's been saved 80 years and the person who just got saved is, is a mindset. Because our spirit is saved, our mind, Scripture says, is being saved. All right? How many of your mind's not always where it needs to be? 
Let's play your thoughts on the screen real quick, right? Our mind is not always saved, right? It is being saved. So Paul says that we renew our minds every day. That it's something that we're working on. That as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to train our mind to be renewed, to think on things that are, that are good, things that are holy, things that are pleasant. Because joy is not found in a perfect world because a perfect world does not exist. Joy is all about how you think. What, 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 what are you meditating on? Are you putting your trust and confidence in your relationship with Jesus? Or are you putting your trust and confidence? confidence in what's going on around you. And so this is going to be, as I said, a tough pill to swallow, but this is not self-help. This is biblical thinking. All right? Paul learned something, that everything doesn't always go my way. I have plans to preach to a big audience in Rome is what Paul's idea was. That's what his dream was, but he ended up preaching to a guard that he's chained to. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, he learned how to maintain joy. He learned contentment. So happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is situational. Joy is spiritual. And number three, happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. Man, we could go home right here. Some of y'all's homes would be better if you did this. Your marriage would get better if you did this. Let me drop a pen. <laughs> Some of us were being ruled by life's ups and downs. Our outlook, our perspective, our attitude is all about, our mood, it's all based on what happens instead of making up our mind that we're not going to lose joy. And we all have things that happen things that, that come against us, but if we live our life in the ups and downs, good day, I'm up, bad day, I'm down, I got a breakthrough in this area, but my marriage is suffering, and we, we live up and we live down consistently, that is slavery, okay, that's a slave mindset, and it leads to exhaustion. When Jesus came and he died for us, not only did he come to save us, but one of the things that people forget, Jesus came to restore back everything Adam lost. That in, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam, Adam chose sin, he forfeited authority. Because up until that point, Adam had complete authority over the earth. Whatever he named the animals is what they were. He had authority over the earth at that time. But he gave all that up when he sinned, but Jesus came to restore the authority back to us, that we would have authority in our lives, authority in the spiritual realm. But I want you to think about this for a minute. If we don't have authority over our own emotions, how are we going to have authority over sickness? If we can't have authority over our own mindset, then how are we going to have authority to raise dead people? I want you to think about it for just a minute because joy is not about anything out here. It's about something in here. And so Paul made three choices that, that normally these, these areas would rob us of joy, but Paul teaches us a couple things about it. Number one, I can choose joy in spite of difficult people. I'm just going to smile at you for a minute. I can choose joy in spite of difficult people. Some of you are allowing others 
to rob you of joy. And Paul, he refused to do that, that no person could rob him of joy. And, and some of us, the reason we're allowing other people to rob us of joy is because we are offended. Now, here, let, let me teach you something about it. People don't understand the magnitude of offense because offense, you, you can be offended with someone and it doesn't affect them at all, right? It, it's been said before that it's, that it's uh, you, you want that person, right? You want that person to suffer, because of what they've done or not done, but, but bitterness and offense becomes a poison, a poison to your own life, that, that it only affects us. And the reason we have to stop and look at this area of our lives is because we are called to love people. But what I have learned, listen, this is heavy, you can't love people you're offended with. You're, you don't love people you're offended with. It's impossible to love people that you're offended with. Offense is a trap. Offense robs you of joy. Offense robs you of vitality, of spiritual energy, of being able to do what God has called you to do. We're commanded to love people. Look at what Paul said in, in Philippians 1, 3, and 4. He said, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, this is interesting because Paul is modeling for us, never let others control your joy. Never let anybody else control the joy you are experiencing. And, and this was a choice. It's not about what they've done to you or what they failed to do for you. And I'm going to say something real heavy, but I want you to get this. Joy is never determined by others ever. Joy is not determined by others. See, Paul, when he planted this church, this was one of the roughest churches that he's writing to. A rough church. But you don't get any of that in the letter. You would think if it's a rough church and there's a lot of problems, that's what he would be talking about. But that's not what he's talking about at all. When he went to that city, you have to understand he was beaten there, humiliated, falsely accused. He was asked by the city leaders to leave the town. He was slandered. He was judged. He was criticized. He was gossiped about. And some of y'all thinking right now, he must have met my coworkers, right? He, he must have met my family. Like, like everything was bad there. There was nothing good about it. All those difficult people, yet Paul said, when I think about all you difficult people and remember you all, I pray for you with joy. Now, how many know that, that, that's spiritual? That, that is extremely spiritual. He's choosing his attitude. Paul recognized it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes it's difficult, but I'm not going to allow other people to rob me of joy. You can always have joy. Listen, you can always have joy if you never allow others to control your attitude. Yep, that's good, Pastor. Patty cake, patty cake. That's real good. It's real nice. It's cute. But I got some people I'm mad at. I got some difficult people. I got some people you'd slap if you knew them, right? How do, you, how do you choose joy in spite of those difficult people? And this is not on the screen for you, but 
you need to you need to do a couple you got to choose to do a couple things one use selective attention you y'all you, you know like selective hearing come on husbands we have it you know what i'm saying the wife says you remember when i told you you're like no i don't remember that i don't have a clue selective hearing but you need to have selective attention Anytime you see a conversation or a situation or a person or a group of people that, that when you're around them, you see it going in a, neg a negative direction, you have to learn how to disengage, to disconnect, to pull yourself back. Matter of fact, I want to give you permission to ignore some people. Listen, listen, you, you're not going to do anything significant in the earth if you don't learn how to ignore some people that will treat you like they treated Paul that will say all manner of evil against you. you got to learn how to disengage and say, you know what, I'm not going to give life to that or attention to that. I'm just going to remove myself from that because many of us, if we stay connected to it, we can't choose joy in the middle of it. So I want, I want to tell you, if you're not strong enough to choose joy in the middle of it, then you may have to pull back. I mean, sometimes it's okay to pull back. To say, you know, i got to get my bearings. I'm losing joy. I'm losing sleep. I'm becoming anxious because I'm connected to these people. The other thing I would encourage you to do every time is to sow goodness. If we believe that the Bible is true, then it is impossible to sow goodness and not reap goodness. You have to learn to sow goodness in the midst of surroundings that are not favorable. So, the next thing is I can choose joy in spite of bad circumstances. Paul had a choice to believe what his surroundings presented or what Jesus had promised. I, I, can, I can pay attention to what's going on and get messed up by that, or I can focus on the promise of God. His surroundings were, were negative, prison, punishment, chained to a guard, awaiting execution, but he knew that God had not saved him, called him, equipped him, all right, for the work of God not to be complete in his life. He understood that no matter what happens, God is working a plan. And somebody needs to hear your pastor today, God is working a plan in your life. And it may not make sense right now, but he's working a plan. Here's what he said in Philippians 1.6. He said, I'm certain that the God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The truth is, is that no matter what's going on in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good days, the bad days, you need to know that God is still working out a plan. God uses the negative situations, and he still works out a plan. God takes your faults, and he still works out a plan. God takes the negative people in your life, and guess what? If we'll keep joy, God is still working out a plan. He takes everything, our sins, our mistakes, our fault, everything, and he causes it all to work together for the, good who for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I want to encourage you, don't lose joy just because the situation is bad. Now, I think one of the challenges is, is to see our problems through the lens of God's promise. Can we see our problems through the lens of what God has promised? Paul said, God started to work in me but he's going to finish the work. In other words, God doesn't leave things incomplete. Let me ask you a question today, just personally. Has God promised you something? Has God, 
Has God told you he's going to do something in your life? Has he started a good work? If so, you have to hang on because whatever God starts, he finishes. So how am I going to keep joy in bad circumstances? This is real heavy, real deep. It's going to be tough to figure out. How about pray about it? How about pray about it? You know why prayer is powerful in difficult situations? Because prayer reminds my heart of his promise. It reminds my heart of what he's promised. It gives me God's point of view. I want you to think, take just a second. I want you to, you got to work with me this morning. I want you to take just a second, and I want you to think right now. Go, go ahead and bow your head. Bow your head. Close your eyes. I want you to make this personal. All right, this is not altar call, all right? But, but I want you to do this. Just work with me. I want you to think about right now a bad situation in your life, a problem that you're facing, something that, that's bothering you, a situation that's not favorable, people that are, are difficult, whatever it is, I want you to think about that. And before, before you lift your head up and open your eyes, I want you to, to just think this. I want you to pray this in your own heart. God, help me to see this problem through the lens of your promise. Help me to see this problem from your perspective. Listen, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. Let me see this problem through the lens of your promise. Let me see this problem from your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, sometimes you got to pause and, and invite God into the negative situation. I can choose joy in spite of difficult people, in spite of bad circumstances. And number three, I can choose joy in spite of dashed dreams. See, Philippians 1.12 says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul's saying, what's happened to me, it's served to advance the gospel. What happened to, to Paul? He had a dream to rent out a Colosseum to preach to thousands of people in Rome because Rome was the most powerful city, the most prestigious city, and he had a dream of sharing the good news of Jesus to that city. That was a dream that Paul had. But how many know sometimes our dream and God's dream is not the same thing? God had a different plan for Paul. God told Paul, he said, no, Paul, you're not going to rent out a Colosseum and preach to the multitudes, but you're going to go to Rome as a prisoner. You're going to be locked up. I'm going to make you a royal prisoner of Caesar. And as a royal prisoner, you will be chained to a guard 24 hours a day. Every four hours, a new guard will be chained to you. And these royal guards, what you have to understand about them, they were elite. They were a mix of our secret service and Navy SEALs. And each day, every four hours, a new guard would be there. And I don't know about you, but when I think about being in a dark room, open sewage, no light, chained physically to another man, 24 hours a day, how many know it would be easy to get depressed? It would be easy to get depressed. But instead, okay, instead of being depressed, Paul chose to preach to the audience that he had. Paul had a literal, get this, captive 
audience. Someone was chained to him 24 hours a day, and it was some of the most influential people in Rome. And consider this math, that over two years, Paul shared the gospel with 4,380 guards, and he's talking to the entire court of Caesar's palace. And chapter 4 tells us that some of Caesar's family got saved because of the ministry of Paul. And if that wasn't enough, not only did he preach, to 4,380 guards, but he took time in that dungeon to write Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. I wonder which had the bigger impact, a gospel crusade or writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Our plan is not always the same as God's plan. But you need to know, I just, I got to say this with a little authority. God is working out a plan. The devil can't stop it. People can't stop it. Circumstances can't stop it. Crazy family members can't stop it. When God is working out a plan, you got to trust the process. Trust the process. You can always have joy if you will trust that God will work it all out you got to trust that. God is going to work this out. And maybe you feel like your dreams are being dashed. And maybe you are tired from, from trying to pick up all the pieces. But I want to encourage you for just a moment to stop striving and start trusting. Stop striving and start trusting. See, to, to know, you, you, you have to know, trust is not passive. We think trusting God is passive. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just trusting the Lord. It's just a passive thing. Trusting God means that I'm going to pray about it instead of put my hands on it. Trusting God means that I'm going to ask God, y'all ready for this one? I'm going to ask God to work on me instead of work on the problem. Trusting God is so much different. This is going to be the real tough one. Trusting God means rejoicing in your struggle. That went over well. (laughs) Rejoicing in your struggle. It's your choice to rejoice. It's not the bad people. It's not the circumstances. It's totally your choice to rejoice. Philippians 1.18, Paul said, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. See, rejoice, it, it, it's, it's an act of your will. Some, you meet some people, oh, I'm, just, I'm just depressed. Well, why are you depressed? Well, so-and-so said something about me. That's it? You got breath in your lungs? You drove yourself to church this morning? Some of you ate eggs and bacon and ham and biscuits this morning? If you did, I, you need to invite me next week. We get so down in the dump so quickly, and Paul had all this going on against him, and he said, you know what, as an act of my will, I will rejoice. I will not allow anyone to steal my joy. As the worship team comes back, I want to close with the secret. See, joy is simply the fruit of a right relationship with Jesus. What, what, what does that mean? It means that maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe your finances are. 
Maybe, maybe you're, you're calling and gifting. Maybe all that's unsure. You, you don't know where God's taking you. All that may be true. But joy is the fruit of a right relationship with Jesus. And, and this, another heavy one, if we lack joy, it means that our relationship with God has been compromised. Listen, joy is not about something Joy is about someone. And if you're in this place and you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, there is no reason why you shouldn't have the joy of the Lord. Because whether things work out here or not, how many know at the end, the old song says, we win either way. We win either way. We know Jesus. Our eternity is secure. Paul mentions 50 times in four chapters the word Christ, the name Christ. And the reason he does that is because, because Paul knows that without Jesus, there is no joy. This is not self-help. This is relationship with God. This is, when, you ever met somebody when they first get saved and the, the joy of the Lord is exuding from them like I mean, it's tangible. Like, you can see it on their face. You can see it on their body language. You can see it in their words. You can, you can hear the joy because they have found the one that could save them, the one that could change them, the one that could secure eternity on their behalf. And they are so fired up. And I just got to ask, what happens to us? I think we lose sight of the one who brings joy. We're looking at our surroundings and not looking at the person who brings joy. Many people have staked the satisfaction of their entire life on something that cannot deliver instead of someone who can. The new house, the new job, the raise, the better relationship, that, that's not going to bring true joy. Only Jesus can do it. Joy is the flag that flies on the castle of the heart when the king is at residence there. I think we ought to stand to our feet and let's give God a joyful praise. Come on, somebody. Come on, in spite of your stuff. I know life's not perfect. I know, but joy is spiritual. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And as you do that, I want to speak to those that are watching online or those that are in this room who you don't have joy and the reason you don't have joy is because you've made it about something instead of someone. True joy only comes from a relationship with Jesus. So if you're in this place or watching the live stream, I just want to ask you a question, a couple questions. Why not make today the day where you invite Jesus into your heart and life? You've tried money, you've tried different jobs, you've tried marriages, you've tried everything in, in your power to be happy, to, to have joy, and all of it comes up short because joy only comes from a relationship with Jesus. So I want to ask you, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, if you're in this room under the sound of my voice and say, you know what, Pastor, I don't want to leave the same way I came. I don't want to leave the same way I came. When in the Old Testament, God set worship services up, I want you to get this that if they entered into the south gate, they could not leave back through the south gate. They had to leave through the north gate. 
If they, if they entered into the worship service through the north gate, they couldn't leave the north gate. They had to leave through the south gate. And what God was saying is that in the worship service, you should never leave the same way that you came. You should always leave differently. And so I want to give you that opportunity this morning that if you don't know Jesus, man, he's the only one. Listen, money and, and stuff and cars and houses, I'm, it's fine. Go get all that you want to get. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, that's not joy. Joy is Jesus, church. It's Jesus. I, I, I just want to plead with you. If that's you, you say, you know what? I need Jesus today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Thanks for these hands in the middle. God bless you. Thanks for this hand in the middle section. God bless you. Anyone else, you say, that is me. That is me. I need Jesus. I need his love, his grace today. Anyone else, if you're watching online, there's a button that you can click there. We will pray with you. Bethesda, we're going to pray with these individuals. This is powerful. They're, they're about to experience what true joy looks like. Amen? So let's lift up our voices. Let's pray with them. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for showing me what true joy looks like. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those people that made a decision. Yes. That's what it's all about. We're going to open up the altars for prayer as we do every week. But if you made that decision today, there is a card. There's two cards. I want to bring your attention to the one that says, I've decided. If you made that commitment to Jesus Christ, we would love for you to pull that card out, fill it out so that we can know who you are. We would love to follow up with you. We would love to help you take your next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you could take time to fill out the I've Decided card, leave it in your seat. We'll come by and pick it up. And right now, let's celebrate one more salvation online. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Awesome. Wonderful. Our prayer team and staff's coming forward at this time to pray with you. If you have a request, you have anything at all that you need prayer for, we want to agree with you. There's one last worship song that we want to pray for people. Before we do that, though, let's give God one more joyful praise today. Come on, give him a praise in the house. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.